Welcome to episode number 227. Today's episode, we are diving into the things that you need to know when you are picking your seed variety, specifically what you need to be looking at and understanding about the information that is displayed on seed packets and how you use that info to make sure that you are picking the absolute best varieties for you and your growing climate because picking the right variety is going to be the difference sometimes between getting a really big crop and a plant that produces a high yield for you and one that doesn't do so well and the season may be cut short or it just struggles to produce. Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my brand new book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food. I'm a fifth-generation homesteader as well as the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, and it's always my goal to inspire and motivate you to have a homegrown and homemade life using modern homesteading to raise, grow, and cook your own food no matter where you live. Now, before we dive into the nitty gritty on these seed packets, there's something really important that you need to know about if you're not signed up for it. And that is my completely free five-day challenge, which is five days to take you to your best garden ever. I'm going to help you plan out your garden. I've got worksheets, charts, and videos all walking you through plug and play so that you are going to have the absolute best garden ever this year. Even if you're a first time gardener or if you've been doing this gardening gig for a while, and it's going to help you customize it to your garden based on your needs, your size and your growing climate. So part of what we're talking about today, if you've been following me along and going through this video challenge, then you're going to have some of this base stuff already done. If you haven't, Go to melissaknorris.com forward slash my best garden and just pop in your email there and you'll get all of those worksheets and charts and links to the videos. You don't want to miss them. Back when we first started raising our own garden, which was 20 some years ago, (laughs) I didn't really understand nearly as much as I do about gardening now, but especially in making sure that I was picking varieties that grew really well in my area and my climate. It's one of the reasons that we didn't really have good tomato crops for a number of years. I struggled to grow peppers. Now, this next part of the tip specifically has to do with when you are seed starting some of your different plants indoors. And I was actually listening to Joe Lample's podcast, who is going to be a guest in a couple of weeks. You guys, it's an awesome episode. So if you're not subscribed to the podcast, you want to make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of these episodes as they come out. But this was a tip that he gave, and it's one that I've practiced and known for many, many years. But sometimes when you have been gardening or doing anything for a lot of years, you forget some of those things that you didn't know in the beginning. So I wanted to make sure I highlighted this for you in case it's something that you didn't always think about or realize when you were seed starting and then planting the plant out in the garden as a seedling, how that affects what those days to harvest actually mean. 
Or I had years where they grew okay, but unfortunately they didn't really start to produce the food until right up at the first frost date. And so I only had like sometimes a week or two of harvesting time and then the frost would wipe the plants out. And all of that was simply me not knowing how to read seed packets or understand the differences and varieties. I just thought, well, you got a cucumber seed, you got a cucumber seed. So, oh my goodness, have we come a long way. And I'm going to walk you through that today. So when you are looking at your seed packets, and this can be true of reading a seed packet back. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm going to sound so ancient and old. But back in the day when we first started gardening, the internet was really in its infancy and nobody used it for hardly anything. So the majority of the seed shopping that I did when we first started gardening, now I've always seed saved my own bean seed. And I seed save a lot more now than I ever, than I did way back then. But way back then, we just had the bean seed that my family had been seed saving and passing down for over 100 years and all of our generations. But the rest of the stuff that we were planting in the garden, I was purchasing those seeds from the store. And I would just go to the, you know, they had like either the a big like cardboard thing set up in the springtime or there was like a turning rack and you just would go in. There would maybe be two or three different varieties of tomatoes, maybe a couple different varieties of zucchini, but very limited. And you just would grab what they had and home you would go and away you would start with your planting. But now in just 20 short years, we have so many more options available to us and most people are taking advantage of them. So, of course, we do still have seed packets available at the store. So garden centers and grocery centers. But a lot of people are doing their shopping online. I order a lot of my seeds online simply because I can get more varieties, especially when I'm looking for heirloom, which is all that we plant in our garden. I only purchase heirloom seeds. So. We do still need to be able to read the seed packet. And so you may be holding and looking at seed packets when you're shopping, but there's a good chance that some of that shopping you're doing is actually looking at the info online at that seed website and or the seed catalogs that they send out. So I'm going to kind of cover the things and some seed packets have more info on them than others, depending upon the brand and the company. So we're going to kind of go over the different things that most seed packets and or descriptions when ordering them online have and how that info is going to serve you best when picking your varieties. So the first thing that I always look at and I just mentioned is heirloom. So if it says heirloom or open pollinated, then that means it's one that I can seed save from easily. And that's important to me. There's nothing wrong with hybrid seeds but hybrid seeds, if you try to seed save from them, they do not come back true to the parent plant and they can be finicky and they're a lot harder to deal with. It's more of a gamble. And for me, it's just not been worth it in the past when I've tried it or used them uh, when I'm looking at it from seed saving. If you don't have any interest in seed saving right now, then hybrid is fine. But Heirloom seeds, if you can't tell, I'm very, very partial to them, <laughs> um, both with the seed saving aspect. But heirloom seeds, I feel, have usually a greater flavor depth. And I also feel that there are, well, not feel, there are way more varieties available to us when it comes to heirloom seed choices than there are when you're looking at your hybrid counterparts. So that's one of the things that I look for on my seed packet. I'm only looking for those open pollinated and or heirloom, which most will say heirloom or heritage now on it usually heirloom. That's kind of the biggest indicator if it is an heirloom one. 
Now, after that, when I'm looking at a specific variety, and I'm just going to use an example right now, I actually have, and this is not sponsored in any way, shape or form, nor am I an affiliate of theirs. But hey, if anybody's listening from Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, I would totally be opening to talk about that because I really love everything that their company is doing with heirloom seeds and the stories and just the good stewardship that they have done for heirlooms. So I'm actually looking at their catalog and I will have links in today's episode so that you can go and check everything out as well as if you sign up for my free garden planning series, I'll have resources for you available too when it comes to seed ordering and where I get mine. But I'm looking at their catalog and I'm actually on the melon page, right where the melons first start. And One of the things that I look at very first, if I know I want to grow a melon, is I look for in the description where it says if there's any indication in the description, if it does well in a cool or mountain type climate versus if it says does really well, handles the heat, drought resistant, etc. Because I live in the Pacific Northwest. Not only do I live in the Pacific Northwest, so we typically have more moisture and are cooler in our summer months than most of the country, but we live up in the foothills. So I usually have an earlier frost date than going down the mountain, even 20 miles. My frost date will come about two to three weeks earlier. So I have a short growing season and I have a cold growing season. So as I'm looking at some of their melon varieties right now, they have a Minnesota midget. And it says that they remember eating these as a child in the 1980s in the mountains of Montana. And this variety was the only melon that would grow in their mountain climate. So that's an indication to me that this is a melon that's going to perform well because I'm in a mountain climate and I'm cooler for me. Whereas their Tigger melon variety, it says in the description that its flesh gets sweeter in dry climates. So that's an indication for me based on my climate. If I was picking between just those two, which they have many other varieties, let me tell you in here. But that's an indication for me that I would want to pick that Minnesota midget over the Tigger. And sometimes they don't say that, not always, but that's something that I look for first. And the ones that do have any indications like that Those are the ones that I then narrow it down and start to further my selection on. So most all of your seed packets, especially, but different descriptions will tell you the average days it takes for the seed to germinate. So, you know, from the time you put that seed either directly, you know, in the ground and in the soil, be direct sowing outside or even seed starting inside for germination rate, how many days it's going to take on average for that seed to actually sprout and begin growing. Most of them will have an indication on their hardiness. So it'll let you know the temperature, if it's going to be killed by a frost. So if it's cold hardy, then you know it's going to withstand some of those cooler temps. You can probably plant it in springtime as well as grow some in the fall. But it's going to give you an average to know if it is a warm weather crop, which is only grown in the summer, kind of like your tomatoes and your pepper plants. Or if it's cold hardy and you'll be able to grow it in like I said, spring crop and or fall winter crops as well. So the next thing that we're going to be looking at or that I look at when I'm narrowing down my varieties on my crops that I've picked to grow is how many days to harvest. So most of your seed packets and or those online sites that you're looking at, most of them will have a spot on them that say 90 days. 
92 days, 85 days. When it has those days like that, that's an indication. And keep in mind, this is average because your growing conditions, if it's cooler or hotter or drier, whatever, you have more extreme weather, that can affect. It's not always right at, but it's based on this average. So it's a good average to have. So if it says 90 days or 100 days, whatever the amount of days from the time that you plant that, so you direct sow that seed That's about how many days it's going to take before you're going to begin to get your first harvest. Now, there's one caveat to this. With my tomatoes or plants that say start indoors, because for a lot of growing climates, especially more cooler or northern climates or climates that have pretty significant frost dates, many things like your tomatoes and your peppers You have to start those seeds indoors and or start with purchasing seedlings somewhere. You don't just plant the seed when you do the rest of like your melons and your squash plants, etc., beans and corn. You're starting them earlier. So if it says on the packet, start indoors X amount of weeks or X amount of days before planting out, and then it has that 90 days, 120 days, whatever it may be based on the different crops. In my experience with my tomato plants, that is correct from the time I actually put that seedling outdoors and plant it outdoors. So I start my tomatoes in the house and my peppers. I start mine about the first part of March. So I sow the seed, get them started in the house, and then I put them out in my high tunnel, depending on the year. Usually I can put them in the high tunnel outside about that first part of May. If they're not in the protection of my high tunnel or my cold frame, then it's more mid-May just to be on the safe side. But I'm still not getting a harvest from those tomatoes until about the end of July, the 1st of August. That's important to note because a lot of your tomatoes, especially those paste type tomatoes, which I grow a San Marzano Lungo, you know, they will say on them 70 to 80 days. And that's about accurate from when I actually put my plants down in the ground and I've transplanted them outside. But it's not accurate from when I'm seed starting. So it's kind of important to just know that that a little bit of difference and differentiation there on what those days can mean. But now that we've covered that part, based on my climate being that my warm weather growing time is shorter, when I'm looking at varieties, I'm going to be picking varieties that have that shorter days to harvest window rather than ones that are longer. Because if I've got a variety that says 70 to 80 days, and then there's another variety that I'm looking at, but it has... 100 or 120 days until harvest. Well, obviously for me, especially if it's a warm weather crop, I'm going to pick that variety that has the shorter days to harvest so that my harvest time isn't cut short. Now, if you live in a more mild climate or for me, when I'm picking cool weather crops, I know that in the fall, we'll get a hard frost usually about mid-September, maybe the beginning of October, just depending on where it falls that year. But then after that hard killing frost, sometimes we'll go a week, a month or even longer with just some more light frost, but still really mild times during the day and just colder at night. So I know that I have an extended fall growing period for cool weather crops. 
So when I'm looking at those cool weather crops, I don't mind putting in a couple varieties that still have that shorter days just in case we get a harsh winter that comes early. And then I'll pick some varieties that are longer days till harvest. So it's kind of like succession planting without, I'm still planting them at the same time, but one's going to come available for me to harvest earlier than the other. Now, the other thing that your seed packet will tell you that you want to take into consideration when you're picking your varieties is the spacing. So it'll tell you spacing wise if you're doing in rows if, or if you're doing in like a square foot garden, depending on if you're raised bed, container gardening, in-ground gardening, etc. It'll kind of tell you the approximate spacing that you need for your plants. And even amongst especially things that vine out and spread like your winter squash and your summer squash, oftentimes they will have on there in the description more compact variety, doesn't sprawl as much, better suited for small spaces. So this is important to note too, especially like I said, if you're trying to get more or you're more limited on your growing space, you're trying to pack more into that space, you're going to want to pick varieties that aren't as sprawling and that so that you can get more into that space. And I know that that seems common sense when I'm saying it right now, but oftentimes it's something that we overlook when we're picking varieties. So for example, pumpkins sprawl a ton. I think my pumpkins sprawl even more than my spaghetti squash probably. And they probably are a little bit more than my butternut squash too. So when I'm looking at my pumpkins, I'm going to try to pick some varieties that say maybe that they're a little bit more compact and that they don't vine out quite as long. If you're also really pressed for space, something else that I take in consideration when I'm looking at the seeds or the varieties, and this is especially true for beans, is I will pick a pole bean so that I can grow vertically and I can fit more into that space as well. Another thing that you will see sometimes in the descriptions, not always, so this is just sometimes depending on the seed company and if it's in a magazine or the back of the seed packet, etc. But sometimes you'll also see where they make an indication or a note that this is a more diseased resistant variety, especially if it's a crop that tends to have more diseases plague it. So for example, tomatoes are pretty well known for getting blight. And so you will sometimes see where they will list um, more disease resistant too, and they may put a specification on a specific type of disease, et cetera, that's common for that. But that can be another thing, especially if that's something that you struggle with that you may want to look at varieties that mention that as well. And if you do deal with different issues and diseases and or pests with your animals and excuse me, not your animals, though that's something if you definitely are dealing with pests or diseases with your animals, you're definitely going to want to have help with that. But what I meant to say is if you are dealing with disease and pests in your garden and on your different crops, you are definitely going to want to get your hands on the Family Garden Plan, my new book. And one of the pre-order bonuses that I have available, so you could go to familygardenplan.com, is a crop rotation and companion planting bonus video and ebook guide. This is really important because crop rotation can eliminate a lot, a lot of your disease problems. And I break it down so that you can easily apply it in just a backyard garden setting, even if you're doing raised beds and container planting. 
And companion planting can also help detour a lot of pests. And of course, these are both easy, natural and organic methods to use. I've got charts in there for you. So for quick applications, as well as natural and organic methods that we use when we do have things, even with the best practices of doing crop rotation and companion planting, it eliminates a lot. But there can still be times when you actually have something that you need to treat. And when I really made the jump to doing only organic and natural, I had a hard time finding methods that were proven to actually work and to be effective that I felt comfortable using on the food and on our land that my family was going to be growing on for years and obviously the food that we were consuming. All of that and a whole lot more is covered in the family garden plan. So get your hands on that and get all of those awesome bonuses that will help you with that. And I hope that you found this episode on helping you pick the right variety of your crops very helpful in kind of understanding what those terms and some of those different things mean for you as a grower that are often displayed on seed packets. Now, if you still have more questions, one, I would love to hear them. So you can leave a review on this episode, whatever app you're listening to it. So then I'll be able to see them there and answer it in a future episode. And if you're taking part of the free five-day garden planning event, then you know each day when the video goes live, I'm going to be there in the comments. And so we get to have that live interaction. You can ask me questions and I'll be able to answer you in live time. So very, very exciting. If you're still listening, thank you so much. But if you didn't go snag your seat, go snag your seat. Okay, I hope to see you inside the challenge. And we'll be back on here with our new episode this Friday. Mm-hmm.